Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CP Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and today we're joined by Dr. Alex Kabinski. Graduated Ducks and Moore Medallion at the University of Adelaide with the first class Bachelor of Science in Dentistry, Research Honours, completed his primaries with distinction. He worked as a new grad at the Alfred Hospital doing general dentistry on medically compromised patients. He's also worked in private Southeast Melbourne for another two years before starting Perio Postgrad at Melbourne. He's a massive believer in the recent graduate CPD journey, so much so co-founded the General Dental Residency to create a 12-month program for early career dentists to improve the foundations of general practice. Dr. Alex Kabinski, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lawrence. Thanks for having me. Um, hopefully, this will be kind of an interesting talk and hopefully enlightening to people and get something out of it. I'm sure it will. So, tell us about your CPD journey so far. I think for me, it's been, uh, you know, everyone has, I think, a unique and different journey. And I think I have always been of the mindset of trying to figure out who I am. And so probably close, you know, in my fourth or fourth, fifth year back in uni, I don't know, whoever's listening, we we studied together. uh, (laughs) I probably knew that I was interested in perio and I was interested in specializing. And so that in many ways for good and bad, and we can talk about that um, you know, framed my perspective of my CPD journey. And so I think I figured out, look, and I have a lot of respect and a lot of admiration for a lot of general dentists out there who, you know, are exploring different parts of the CPD journey, you know, really going into comprehensive education, you know, like yourself with King's College, um, going through orthodontic diplomas, implant diplomas, um, and really culminating in, you know, a really broad set of skills that, you know, really helps and benefits patients. For me, I think I realized that, you know, maybe in some ways I wanted the easier path. I wanted just to pick one area and really become really, really proficient and really excellent and, you know, further that field. Um, so my CPD journey kind of started with that in mind, but, you know, one of the things I think I realized and was really challenged with was figuring out, well, you know, if you specialize, you lose out on a lot of other things. Um, for me in particular, I was always, I always, you know, although perio is, you know, ha- has a lot of benefits, uh, you know, prosthodontics is really, you know, what patients see and, um, you know, having that feedback from the patient and kind of delivering that service where you can get that aspect of things is really beneficial. And, you know, talking to a lot of periodontists and prosthodontists and surgeons and general dentists, I think I realized that, you know, although let's say, you know, my enjoyment was always, let's say, imperio or surgery or whatever it may be. But I think for me, the focus was actually to try and do the exact opposite. Um, So kind of going out of uni, I had my experience at the Alfred Hospital, which we can talk about as well. But my focus was try and do things that really expanded and broadened my horizons as much as I could before I really started to focus on applications for specializing so i attended a lot of you know day weekend courses on prosthodontics and planning um there was a lot of kind of behind the scenes orthodontics that i was trying to learn hopeless at it but i tried um you know and and you kind of mentioned uh prior before that you know botox and looking at injectables and uh trying to understand that endodontics i did endo courses as well so for me it was really focusing on trying to expand my level of knowledge in a broad set of general dental and kind of figure out okay well what are my what are going to be my weaknesses and even let's say whenever i got into specialty and try and build those up as much as possible and even now like um you know, I'm doing periodontics, but, you know, I've had opportunities to uh, observe the prosthodontists in the post-prosthetic department because, you know, just to see how they work, how they think, understand that level of treatment planning, I think just makes, you know, everyone a better dentist or specialist overall. 
Mm, yeah, okay, so I'm gonna rehash, we're gonna hash back right to the beginning for a little bit. Yes, for some of our viewers um, that don't know me and Alex, we went to the same uni, um, same year as well. So, you know, I find it very interesting talking to other um, friends as well that have graduated who are from different unis, but you know, AUDSS um, is the Adelaide um, student body group and you were actually the ex-president at the time, all right? And one of the things that you did that was pretty good was you know you pursued workshops, you got interstate speakers, you got mentorship programs, yeah. um, all these things kind of getting started. And you know, I want to say, you know, compared to what we are seeing with all my other colleagues, they weren't getting that, you know? I think what, and I want to say this, you know, before we get further into interview as well, you know, I want to say a special thank you for you to you, Alex, and you know, your AUDSS community, because um, for allowing me to share a piece of um, what we were doing as students in Adelaide with and what ultimately led to what we were doing, like the national ADSA talks um, being created at the time, you know, courtesy with Omar Ikram, um, presented yeah. the first interview as well, you know, um, looking back, that was completely different to what all the other students were doing. And, you know, you're kind of continuing that on um, to now. So you're saying that when you were, you know, graduating, you were kind of still trying to dabble in a whole bunch of different things. So was there um, a particular one that you found, you know, you um, that caught your attention or, you know, how did you come across these particular courses that you were selecting to pick? Actually, it's really, it's really nice that you remind of that time. I, I, and I think that really reflects, I think, just me, my, my general persona of curiosity. And like, you know, there's a limitation of how much obviously you can intake. But, you know, I, I mean, you, you mentioned Omicron. We had Peter Sheridan with for photography. Um, we had, you know, you know, Lincoln Harris as well yeah. before, <laughs> you know, obviously he blew up even more, more than he was at that point. And, you know, you have so many, yeah, these groups of people of, you know, with different wealths of knowledge. Um, you know what? The reality is, I think I found it very hard to pick courses. Um, you know, it, it's awesome that, you know, CPD Junkie has this directory where you can actually like compare, reflect, and, you know, have a comparison of different programs because a lot of the time, you know, things are based on, you know, word of mouth, convenience, you know, is the travel there? Is the travel not there? Um, time off work you know for me one of my challenges in my first year was uh, working in a hospital was really full-on um, it was full-time and the four weeks that I had off two were for primary orientation course and then um, two weeks were for the exam and you know between the exams I was working as well I had a couple of days that I had to work in between so I didn't get to explore as much of my CBD journey in that first year um, I started to work a little bit of private, but in my second and third year, because I think the other aspect of CPD journey, and this is something I think I've also come to appreciate is, you know, you can do whatever course you want, but if you can't implement it the next day or the next week with patients, you know, you're, 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 the amount you're going to take from that course is always going to be limited. So obviously working in a hospital environment, you know, you have such limitations. And to be honest, I, you know, my, I'm very fortunate. I had, you know, specialists like uh, Matthew Lim and uh, Tammy Yap, oral medicine and a, a special needs dentist um, who taught me, you know, so much. And I got exposed to so much that honestly couldn't be taught in courses. You know, I was seeing patients seen by oral medicine specialists. So, you know, I was helping out with sleep apnea appliances, uh, TMD, uh, oral facial pain, mucosal lesions, biopsies, um, there was a general dentist there um, who's also part of the college uh, who was seeing a lot of patients and doing a lot of uh, removal prostheses. You know, these are patients who had oral antrofistulas and uh, maxillectomies and, you know, ma major resection, things that you like, honestly, I say read in a textbook and you think, okay, you know, you get quoted, you'll know, Prof. Goss, you'll say, you'll see that once in your lifetime. And that was my first year. And so that was really cool. But you know, a lot of CPD courses are really not, not tailored towards hospital experience. Um, so I waited till my second and kind of third year. And, you know, I had really fortunate bosses. Um, there's uh, Dr. Slav down in Cheltenham and uh, Dr. Tiv, who some of your viewers may be aware of, uh, Dana Balnaring, who I think taught me a lot in terms of like pragmaticism, the, you know, how, how practices run, the importance of patient care and that whole kind of nature of relationships. 
Uh, so the CPD journey has to fit into that. So yeah, it's a bit of a challenge and it, I think it depends on the clinical environment that you're in. Um, is there a specific question I can maybe answer better for that? So I guess, um, okay, so you went, I'm just gonna rehash it for some of our listeners. So basically you're in the Alfred hospital and you're consuming a lot. You know, there is so much yeah. content you're consuming. You're probably going back home and you're probably doing more research on it to follow up yeah. on it. And so there wasn't really particular CPD courses at the time that would complement what you were doing or it was gonna build on it more at the time because you were already doing so much of it already. And then yeah. um, it wasn't until you came out to private that, okay, well, you realize now you need um, complementation, you need other skills to kind of complement your work that you find in private practice. And that's really when, um, you know, you decided to go and attend particular courses. But when you're at the hospital, um, you're, you're learning a lot. It sounds like, you know, and, yeah, um, look, look, you know, yeah. you have, you have patients who just had chemotherapy, radiotherapy. They're on these medications that, you know, you, you think came out of a leprechaun at the end of a rainbow and, you know, you, you look up at research and there's like, oh, there's like three medical trials in the world on this for whatever reason. And you just, you, there's so much that you don't know and, you know, trauma, you know, and part of the thing that really I got a lot of beauty in that was being able to see dentistry from a different perspective and seeing how it interplays with other medical specialties and things like that. But we can talk about my private journey a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, just on that hospital aspect. So, yeah, you just mentioned that into um, that connection with the other medical professions. You actually went on to create a little face Instagram page called Your Wellness Dentist, wasn't it? Yeah, there was there was a time. I think I, yeah, I was really inspired, and you know, one of the reasons I for my interest in perio, and it's not that I chose perio. It's I had interests, and those interests aligned the most with Perio and you know, for your viewers who haven't read the book, Malcolm Gladwell's, um, you know, starting with why, you know, I, I think it's one of the best books I ever read and not that it changed how I, uh, you know, worked or studied or whatever it may be, but it, it cements and really makes you try and nail down understanding, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, cause that just gives you so much purpose and confidence in the decisions that you make and making decisions you don't regret. So, you know, seeing, and yeah, with the Instagram, for example, I, you know, I, I see a lot of social media and, and, you know, people posting, you know, amazing cases you have, you know, everyone can name, you know, <laughs> yeah. every, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the speakers that you had prior to me, you know, post awesome stuff. And, you know, th there was a little bit of that, but you know, that wasn't me. And so I was just trying to figure out at that point, you know, how does social media and I, what, what, what am I actually interested in? What, what do I want to share? And so, yeah, there was a period I've archived a few things just cause I kind of that, that trailed off just because life got busy and other priorities, but yeah, there was a period, I think, you know, once a week I was posting, you know, what's a fact that relates oral health to systemic health. Um, and that's still something I, I really, really do believe in. Uh, and, you know, trying to figure out a way, okay, how can I kind of share more of that? Um, but, you know, yeah, do more of that as well. Mm -hmm. But you also, at the time, you actually created some articles, some case reports or systematic reviews on, was it spontaneous bronze? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done, I've, I've, so I had a research honors back in Adelaide looking at, you know, craniofacial syndromes. Um, so, but in the Alfred, we, we saw a lot of, osteonecrosis and you know one of the things that we saw a lot of was just patients who didn't have the classical bisphosphonates or anti-resorptive therapies um and or sorry i should also say extractions of any kind um and you know why are they developing this uh, osteonecrosis because um, most of the literature that looks at osteonecrosis doesn't really doesn't really take into account well did a procedure you know precipitate that osteonecrosis event so obviously someone who's on a lot of bisphosphonates or anti-resorptives and you're that are high risk patient and you're extracting a tooth, let's say a lower molar, obviously the chances of them developing ranges can is actually more significant than, than it appears in the papers. Um, I mean, a, a lot of the literature out there, whereas the, you know, a lot of the literature assumes that perhaps patients are just getting this osteonecrosis. So we just kind of coined the term spontaneous uh but there's likely some sort of oral trauma that's going on um in areas where there's thin tissue especially most commonly the lower 
uh, border of the mandible on the lingual side um, or tori. But yeah, I mean, that, that was, look, I enjoy research and there's a lot of things I enjoy. <laughs> I think that's part of the challenge of trying to find a balance and, you know, what are your priorities and with, you know, general dental residency and my kind of my focus, you know, making sure the residents that we have at the moment, having a great time and trying to create more and new programs. Uh, those kind of interests have, I wouldn't say change, but it's just the, the time, you know, um, I'm sure you understand. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that you, you got to pick, pick what's important to you right now and focus on that. Yeah. Okay. So now you've come out of, you know, the, into the private world and you're doing, you're starting this journey in private practice. Um, how do you decide to pick? You mentioned, you know, you're hearing about communication, you're hearing about author, you're hearing about implants and endo, you know, how are you picking amongst all these different ones? You, you know what? I think I was very, I was very fortunate to have Tiv as kind of as my mentor, uh, in that, in that speed, you know, Tiv's done so many communication courses and he runs, you know, communication courses for us now with uh, GDR and, you know, he taught me a lot of kind of the fundamentals of just understanding patient psychology, understanding how to communicate better, you know, 50% of what we do is communication. Uh, so being able to make sure that patient experience is not just a feeling, you know, we spend so much art and science on, you know, make sure restorative protocols and odontic protocols are all, you know, perfect, but, you know, communication is not different and you have to create your own. So for me, I was fortunate. I, I think I had a, 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 you know, one of those raffles that you think you'll never win. Um, I think BOQ specialist, you know, kudos to them for sponsoring. I think we're giving away a prime speak uh, course. So I, I did a, that was kind of one of the first courses that I think I did. I learned a lot in the practice. Um, you know, I remember coming out of Alfred and my crown preps were shit. I, I was on for Sarko models, you know, reprepping and redesigning and trying to figure out, you know, again, just re relearning and practicing. And, you know, I think there's, it's important not to have pride get in the way of things and just make sure that you're doing things well, you know, before you're doing them with patients. Uh, so that was that aspect of things. And then, you know, there's just been kind of opportunities that have come along with, uh, you know, different speakers, kind of, you see a day or two days and there's a good talk. Um, there's others out there who are organizing um, kind of small events and you do an endo course and you do a pros and crown course uh, for implant restorative, I think with, I think it was Chris Hart at the time. Um, but was there a particular kind of like structure or process you were kind of, or was it kind of more like you opened up the book and you're looking through what was in the year and then you were deciding, okay, this is what I want to improve on. Yeah. I mean, that's literally, you know, I, you open, like I opened up the ADA book um, and I would try and circle one or two things. And then if things came up, you know, again, you just circle and you kind of think, and, and that's, you know, and, and that, that was the challenge because you, I'm not sure what your experience was, but you're thinking, okay, I want to become a better general dentist. And the question is, okay, how do I do that? You know, and, you know, you're not, you're not like, I, you know, I just want to do implants or I just want to do ortho or whatever the, those fields are. You know, how do you do that? Well, I'll be honest, there, there, there wasn't really a good way of doing that. And, um, you know, that, that's what inspired us um, you know, to create the residency, you know, that, that's literally the whole, the whole purpose of the course is, which is, you know, 12 month course has seven weekends, 14 days of hands-on covering pros and uh, communication, treatment planning, restorative, anterior, posterior implant, all the rest of it. And mentoring was to answer that simple question of, okay, what, what is something out there that will cover the bases that I want to cover? Um, and, you know, and also, you know, with, I think something to be conscious of and something I've struggled with is uh, at one point, you know, is, is too specialized. It's a very costly, you know, endeavor, um, financially and time-wise. And it does give you kind of a lot of restrictions. You know, a lot of us pick dentistry because it offers us a freedom that other professions uh, may not have. And so we're kind of restricting that freedom. And, you know, maybe it's like three steps backwards for, for a five step forward type thing at some point. Um, so I was conscious and cognizant of that potential investment. So I also didn't want to take on and do courses that, you know, 
would cost you know twenty thirty thousand dollars plus um and, and to be honest i probably wasn't ready for them either because some of those courses you you need to understand basic and foundational principles to really make the most of them not that you can't do them but yeah that, that's kind of where it comes from mm. so did you know how did you approach after you know uh tell us how creating the gdr you know how's that shaped your approach to how you see graduates should approach their cpd learning you know what like gdr was the most you know you talk about courses i, I <laughs> I've lost track of how many, you know, you know, webinars or courses or workshops I, I've started to have to do just because, you know, and I, I'm sure for you, your, your sake, you know, so for someone who is interested and, you know, you, you have yourself with CPD Junkie and, you know, there's a lot of other really great providers who are offering free education. I think the first advice is lap that up <laughs> um, and, you know, learn everything that, comes from these kind of really digestible easy forms so that you can kind of make your own opinion on what's a good program and what's a program that fits you my advice to new graduates is a focus on getting a good job and have a practice that allows you to do the things that you want to do so if you are like a super gung-ho about surgery and you're going into a practice where there's no one that does surgery you know, you, you can say goodbye to your surgery dreams because unless you move, you, you, it's, it's very hard to develop that ability to bring something in because, you know, we all need mentors uh, and we all need that supervision and support and having that confidence that someone can, you know, help us develop that hand skill. That's just the reality of what we do. So that's number one. And if you're not sure of, you know, what you want or what practice, well, then just make sure that practice covers the fundamentals, the foundations, you know, that they do enough of everything on a regular basis or, or go part-time and, you know, do part-time because no, no single practice could be perfect. Um, everyone's going to have their, you know, one practice might be great with just high-end work. Another practice may develop your surgical skills because you're seeing a lot of extractions. And the other thing is, you know, don't focus on the financial side of things. Just focus on developing the skill you know, we're in a fortunate industry where we all, you know, who work hard and, you know, will make a good living. So, yeah, focus on that practical side of things. And then, you know, after three, six months, once you've kind of settled into that groove of things, then really start to try and, I don't know, I probably, my recommendation is going to be to do foundational courses and really make sure your restorative skills are on point. Um, make sure that your, you know, quadrant dentistry and prosthodontic skills and, you know, these days with scanners and CAD CAM, you know, if your practice has that element of things, you know, learn that. Make sure your endodontics is really good. Like whether you like endo or not like endo, um, I feel like, you know, everyone loves endo at some point, then you do enough of it and then you don't like it. But, you know, I don't know what you're feeling. That's that, that's the feeling I had. Um, I thought I had, a, I had an amazing mentor at uni. I don't know if you remember uh, Ian Tranter. So don't think he's listening, but if you are, kudos. Um, he, was, he was just a legend and really gave me confidence to do a lot of Molando. But, you know, you start doing it. It's really like, you know, it's like any, any area of dentistry. It's really hard when you start doing more and more and you see kind of different levels of complexity. Um, so... Yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Um, give yourself a few years. And then once you've got those few years, you know, obviously if you're keen on specializing, you know, make sure you create opportunities for yourself early on. I think that's really important because things take time to develop and process. You know, I started Perio this year. I, in fourth year, we had a two week holiday. I went and followed so that what was fourth year two and 25 years ago i went and shadowed the perry department for two weeks straight i was here from 8 to 7 p.m for two weeks on our holidays and you know it took five years for me to get to this place now but you know that's sometimes that's just what it takes so just understand that, you know things will come and not to rush things and enjoy the process like life is life is you know despite all these, you know, lockdowns, you know, we're in Melbourne, we know it, you're in Sydney, you guys are starting to realize how shit it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's making the most of it.
Yeah, I think I think you put on you're you're on the point there. I think um, for many graduates, you know, at our stage or at your stage as well, they contemplate about that specializing, you know, or that practice ownership. They they in that dilemma, and you know, what you talked about about going to visit, you know, the specialists um, or in in their departments and to kind of view and kind of connect and talk to them about it. You know, that's interesting because you actually wrote a piece on, you know, what I wish I knew. Uh, was it trying to find out your own own career path for like the Melbourne High Old Boys Association, wasn't it? You wrote a piece on that. And I think in I that you, you were talking about, you know, this is what you got to do. You got to go, you got to choose it based on your lifestyle. You got to find those jobs, interact with these people with real world experience. Talk to them about the highs and the lows, the struggles as well. And um, that's exactly what you did. And it sounds like, you know, um, that's what made you decide to specialize in Perio. Yeah. I mean, you know what? This really reminds me. Have you seen the show Hot Ones on YouTube? Yes. Anyone out there who's ever who's listening, um, you're doing great. You've really done your research. So I, I, I'm so impressed. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, look. I think it's really important to understand. I think we all have gr- the concept of grass is always green on the other side, and we we think you know ah if I do that you know all my all my woes will be solved, um, but l- life just is not like that. So yeah, I remember you know yeah di- speaking to different specialists, uh, shadowing different specialists, talking to Max Vax, You know, f- for a lot of those interested in periodontics, there's a lot of crossover with. Max facts, you know, you're dealing with, you got that medical side of things, you got that surgical side of things. Um, and, you know, I spoke to surgeons and, you know, had questions about, you know, the freedom, the opportunities, what restrictions you have, you know, ability to have a family. And, um, you know, I'm in, in some, you know, some ways, you know, it's a lot easier, obviously, for me as a male, but you know, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of life factors that are, you know, much more important than just what we do in clinic. So, you know, th- those things have to fit and, um, you know, t- talking to them and asking them, you know, kind of what their experiences are and asking, okay, well, like, you know, is this a- element of your life that may be important to you? So for me, you know, family is really, really big. Um, you know, are there limitations on that? And if there are, and, you know, you got to weigh up on a scale of what's important to you, um, yeah, what, like your timeline, you know, how does that, how does this specializing for the next three years, you're just going to block it out. How does that fit in your timeline in terms of family, other commitments? I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, whether and, the question and, and, is, and it, do you start now or later? Yeah. Or, 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 yeah, all, all of that. And it's, you know, it's not just you, it's your partner and, um, you know, whatever other, you know, people you're looking after or caring for. Yeah, it's, it's a more complex thing, especially with specializing. Um, and you know, that's one of the challenges because I think, you know, for me, picking dentistry was one of the main draws to dentistry was, uh, I was interested in, I thought I might be interested in practice ownership. Um, I really had no real family in business or anything. So I wasn't hundred percent sure, but I thought maybe I'll be curious. I was always interested in like teaching research. Um, but you know, having the flexibility because, you know, that's something that we are very fortunate to have, um, because it, it really allows you to explore whether it be more dental knowledge or, you know, have other hobbies or interests that not devalue our clinical or dental things, but actually make those much, much more enjoyable. Because, you know, like if you have one job and you're doing like six days a week, if you're in the same place, seeing the same people, like even if it's like an amazing place, like there are certain challenges and, you know, imperfections that will creep up and, create erosions of some nature um, unless unless there's a way that you keep that diversified and interesting and all the rest of it. So, you know, for me, having that flexibility to maybe, let's say, do th- clinical, you know, three, four days a week, but then have other interests was always a really big draw. Mm, yeah. So I'm going to rehash it back a little bit as well. For some of our viewers, they're probably wondering, you know, I'm newly graduated. I'm thinking about it, but how do I get connected with these people? Like, you know, um, do I just talk to my local specialist or do I go join the local study clubs? How did you go about, you know, finding these pathways to get into these departments to kind of talk and find these connections? I think that's a really good question. I, 
firstly, I think the main the main element you need to give yourself is time and persistence. Like you, you know, the 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 thing that draws and attracts people is someone who is passionate. But passion can be fleeting. You know, you can have an interest in something and then be gone the next day. Uh, so if you can. And, and this is just something you have to ask yourself and sh- you know, show in your actions. But if you can show, you know, you're going to be there day in, day out. You're going to be, you know, if the opportunity that you have is not maybe the opportunity that you want, I'm not sure what it may be. Um, we can use an example like you, you want to, you know, get into endo and you applied and you didn't get in. Well, you know, have you given of yourself, yourself enough time um, to get in, onto that program? You know, have you, and, and if, if that's the case, then don't don't feel bad about it, but take a step back. Okay, which endodontist can I chat to? Who's involved with the school? Everything is about relationships, and when people see that someone's interested, someone is dedicated. Like like you know, the example I had is I spent two weeks on my holidays, you know, f- following postgrads. You know, I got nothing for nothing out of it, other than just being tied back into our semesters. Um, and, you know, some people go for a day, some people go for two days. It's, you know, you have a completely def- different level of a relationship with, you know, the heads of that department or whoever maybe by being there for two weeks. And, you know, how those relationships come about. Well, you know, for us, you know, we had a periodontist, Dr. Suja Kaur, um, you know, it was a matter of asking her, trying to have her uh, make that request on my behalf. Um, and, you know, again, me trying to develop that relationship with her. And then, you know, same for, you know, people looking for jobs, you know, you know, that, that's a really hard one, especially I think for recent graduates and new graduates, there's lots of amazing jobs out there, but there's also a lot of very difficult jobs. And then, you know, finding also an amazing job that's in the right area, you know, like, you know, you're asking for the, the lottery, winning the lottery. Yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, especially if you look, you know, if your dream area is metropolitan Melbourne or Sydney, um, for example, where, you know, majority of Australia is just statistically, <laughs> mm. um, you know, you're, you're asking for a lot. And so being persistent, making sure that you show the, you know, the people who you inspire to, you know, if you're seeing someone who's like pumping out work that you just love, just, you know, asking them, you know, ask what you can give to them, you know, you know, can I shadow, can I take photos for you? You know, like whatever it is, um, and you find that, you know, the good people are probably going to be more than happy for you to be there and help them out. And, you know, th- then they're going to develop that relationship with you and then help you out on your journey, you know, whether that be in specializing or whether it be finding the right job and having that recommendation, you know, it's just like, just where it is. Yeah. You got to put yourself out there basically. And um, I like the fact that what you mentioned and, you know, some of our other presenters talked about as well, other guests, sorry, talked about was that, you know, people don't realize, but your connection at uni is actually one point of contact that you can go to, um, to go elsewhere. Because, you know, Australia is a small world. And um, just like you've said, you just talked to um, Dr. Core back in Adelaide and she kind of liaised you with someone back in Melbourne. And that's how you kind of join the dots. Um, but yeah, you got to have the right attitude, the persistence um, to demonstrate that. Otherwise, you might not go the distance. Yeah, for some of our viewers, I mean, for some of our fo- for some of your followers in particular, yeah. you were keen. You know, you're pretty keen on displaying that composite veneers, the full me- uh, full mouth rehabilitations. For them, they would have thought it was quite strange that you're choosing to pick specializing in special in perio. But as you've mentioned already, um, that was something that you were already doing behind the scenes. But it was more these um, cases that was what people were looking for. Is that what you're saying? In terms of, is it just in terms of like the posts I have on, let's say the study club? Is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, because, yeah, because yeah, for a lot I mean, of like your I don't followers. Have a lot of like, firstly, I think Perio is a hard one to take photos of and, you know, have, you know, immediate uh, photos and immediate, um, you know, recalls and things like that. So that, that probably it was a big factor in it. Um, but I think, you know, again, it, it just, just because, you know, my area, let's say, of specialization right now is perio. Perio is really a supportive uh, specialty. You know, perio is what gets, you know, the foundations right 
for ortho to work for, you know, essentially if, if, if someone wants to keep a tooth in or, you know, replace it with an implant, you know, you, you essentially periodontics has some involvement in that, you know, 50% of adults have some sort of periodontal disease, you know, from mild to severe. So, you know, most of the adults that you're seeing have a predisposition to periimplantitis or other factors that it may be. So where, where that comes into is a lot of the planning from a periodontal standpoint really is important to understand, well, you may have an orthodontist re requesting your assistance. You may have, you know, a tooth post orthodontics that has a recession defect and needs some coverage. You know, understanding orthodontics and understanding, okay, can I have torsional or changes or can I, you know, actually position that root in a better position to make my connective tissue graft better and make that result better for the patient? You know, prosthodontics obviously lends itself to, you know, anyone doing full mouth rehabs, um, a is their periodont you know periodontal disease stable if they have it um, and then you know b dealing with complex implants so the reason i was posting the cases i was posting is because actually genuinely i just found those that's what i was doing more of because clearly you know i'm you know i'm not at the level where i was doing you know a lot of soft tissue grafting or a lot of um implants or anything like that and i just wanted to kind of show that journey of me learning and getting better um and really that that's you know I, ha I haven't been great on instagram but like the study club has really been my outlet of just showing things trying to explain things um you know showing when things aren't perfect and you know just being conscious of those you know what we that situation understanding okay can i improve it or you know i saw it and therefore i did improve it that's where that's where that came from um and yeah that, that's kind of just where that is now and with a periodontal kind of treatment standpoint you know with time you're going to see probably most of my photos are just going to be for you know barrier patients uh, in one form or another so what you're saying is basically you had always had an interest in perio and then you weren't quite sure, but it was that you were making these connections with people, you were talking to them, and that was really kind of what drew you to be a bit more interested in perio. Um, decide that you want to do it, and you made the realization when you were doing all these particular cases, you realized that at the end of the day, it was the foundations of what these teeth were built around. That's really what was important, and that's what you felt was really important, and that's why you wanted to specialize in right. perio. I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly touch on that. So for me, perio came down to, you know, understanding who I am and what my interests are. And so it came down to, I briefly mentioned, you know, my interest in specializing and being that kind of uh, focus field. Uh, second aspect was I've always had an interest in systemic health and, you know, amongst the specialties, you know, perio has by far the most literature and research and basis on, you know, that interplay between periodontal disease and systemic health. My, my research project, um, COVID permitting, uh, is going to be looking at the relationship between stress, anxiety, depression, periodontal disease, the subgingival microbiome. So actually looking, okay, what bacteria are associated with higher mental health and stress outcomes or anxiety and depression outcomes? Um, and then a secondary outcome we're looking at is, is metabolomics. So metabolomics is essentially looking at what are cell products that your body is creating. We're looking in the mouth. Um, it's kind of a more new age because it has possible connections for diagnostic testing where you can do you know, a simple cheek swab and see, does someone have a predisposition for perio or predisposition for stress, anxiety, or there's a lot of literature out there looking at cancers in particular. Um, and so you're assessing for these little cellular byproducts um, that your body or bacteria produce. So, you know, that has never changed. Um, and that's, you know, why my research honors was on craniofacial development. I would have done a different project maybe if I had other options, but that was the one that linked the most with systemic health for me. That's why I did the Alfred job. You know, that, that's, I, I don't recommend, you know, the Alfred hospital for everyone um, or for people who have particular goals in terms of what they want to achieve in private general practice, because you know what, I, I don't think it will align and give certain people benefit, whereas it you know, might give others um, so that was two, three, I always loved teaching and, uh, education, you know, from, you know, trying to organize and do courses differently from back in uni, day, in uni days, uh, to, you know, 
<laughs> trying different courses and, and doing different things despite a particular area of interest. Uh, but but also I just I've I like teaching. I, I like sharing knowledge. I find that just there's so much empowerment and so much benefit. You know, as a dentist, we can treat one patient at a time, right? And the concept of teaching is, you know, one element above that. You know, you can teach hopefully and inspire, you know, a group of six people over a year. And hopefully they will take on the values and elements and, you know, hopefully, you know, if I'm lucky, one pearl of wisdom for the year and, you know, take that on for their career, right? So then you have six people being able to do that. Research is like another level and research is like treasure hunting, but you might open a treasure box after like three years of looking and there may be nothing in there other than like paper that's been shredded up. Um, Because, you know, it's just the ability to impact people, uh, and then I, I've always, I think I've always had a tendency and enjoyment of surgery. So those are the factors that led me to saying, okay, well, which specialty fits? And, you know, for me, it was perio. Mm. Um, so I think that was a good way to round it up to it as to why you picked perio. So was there any particular CPD that you didn't feel that you implemented um, or was not as beneficial for you at the time and you would do differently next time? I think there's no CPD that is not going to benefit you. I think, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of good courses out there. There's a lot of really amazing speakers out there and you're going to learn something. Um, I've done a Botox course and then never done Botox in private practice. Um, I should say injectable course. Uh, and, you know, why is that? I think uh, sometimes those kind of treatments attract a certain patient demographic um that i wasn't really interested in treating and just didn't align again just with my my values and my goals and there's you know there's, there's also practical pressures that happen you, you know you know if you just wanted to do let's say botox for tmd or for whatever that, for whatever that is um you know I, I think i was just conscious that i still didn't know about okay, well, there's this concept of TMD and there's so much to TMD beyond just, you know, injecting Botox into the muscles and providing potentially symptomatic relief. And so there was kind of that element of things, but I think any education is valuable, um, but the best education is the one that you can really do the next week and, and do on a regular basis because, you know, in the end we are a practical profession. And so you can, you know, you can do an orthodontic diploma, but if you've never put braces or you put on braces or do aligners or whatever once a year or every two years, you know, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but it doesn't always translate into practice. Unless yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And I agree with that. I think it's like, if you don't practice it at least, you know, once a week, um, you know, how can you possibly say that, you know, you're proficient at it um, and you can have all the theory, but if you can't apply it, you know, there's, there's, there's not that connection that you can say, um, especially when it comes to whether it be mistakes or whatnot. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So has there been anyone that's been pivotal in your career and why? Oh. Pivotal, I've had, I've been lucky to be surrounded by good people. Um, in kind of in foundational years kind of at the alfred hospital uh there was like i said mentioned dr matthew Lim tummy up um i have to give credit to i know he's a bit of a um there's uh, dr alexander fibushenko um he actually probably got me into dentistry um so this was when i was 16 17 years old i went to observe him um Again, for some of our viewers, he's how would you describe him? He's like the all on four. Yeah, I mean, he's the probably has placed you know up there with probably the most implants of anyone in Australia, um, and kind of brought all on four to I guess mainstream uh, dental practice and dental you know treatment planning options in dentistry. And people you know have. People love him. People have issues with him. I'm kind of that's that's beside the point. Um, you know, he's an excellent clinician, and really, like I said, everyone is. You know, hey, there's so much to learn, and so you know, it was really funny because 
when people say, look, I went to observe in practice, you know, I went to observe a dental clinic. This was honestly probably the first clinic I went to observe. And the first day I was retracting for four hours, watching him do an all in four. Um, this is pre-dental street. Yeah, yeah, this was, I was, this was, this was, I was 16 or 17 years old. Um, so to me, like that, that was the first practice I saw. <laughs> Little did I know, like, I've probably not seen a practice like that since, uh, <laughs> not many since. So, uh, it, it gave me like a slightly false illusions of what dentistry was all about. Um, yeah. But it was, it was, it was great. And that was, you know, that, yeah, that was pivotal. Uh, other aspects have been just really beneficial. Um, and, and actually another pivotal moment I'll say is, you know, meeting Dan, you know, who, with whom we co-founded GDI. Like, you know, we, I, like I said, I've always had that interest in education. Like I mentioned, it's again, been something that's part of my value, but, you know, with him, we were able to create a, you know, a program and try and deliver education in a way that we think is going to give people the most value. Um, so that really presented kind of just, yeah, a, a really new frame shift for me. Uh, and those were yeah, probably the most pivotal moments I can think of. Mm, so basically, um, early in, before deciding to do dentistry, um, you, you met with Dr. Ali Fabashenko. He inspired you to do dentistry. You came out and then, you know, you met out, um, Dr. Matt, was it? Um, Matt Lim, so, yeah, uh, Matthew Lim and yeah. uh, Dr. Tammy Yap out in the Alfred Hospital there in Melbourne area as well. Yep, and they kind of really shaped you into the interest of the whole systemic oral health side of things um, and yeah. the holistic approach to people. And then it wasn't until you met um, Daniel that, you know, you got really inspired that, you know, there's a branch of um, graduates out here that really are missing it, this education that needs a bit more structure to it. And that's really how you came about a lot of it. Yeah. I'll add just the last element is, is the two practices that I worked out with Dr. Tiv and Dr. Slav. Again, you're like understanding you know private practice understanding the business aspect understanding people who are driving and trying to create something unique or different and that patient experience and what that patient experience can look like um you know it, it's just so fascinating like just, there's so much there's so much to get into yeah mm, yeah i mean you've once actually said that dr vu is a misunderstood genius a medical doctor a dental specialist a library of knowledge is dr vu still your most favorite person from the university days i mean this is such a like a sidebar question <laughs> um for, for those that don't know uh, dr vu was a prosthodontic uh, uh clinical demonstrator and teacher at the university of adelaide she was in our fourth so penultimate year um with that she was this little uh vietnamese lady who spoke a million miles an hour um it was you, you know you, you really had to make sure you were focused and listening and she was like a little uh rocket flying between different <laughs> students and you know you really had to keep up with her um She's definitely one of the most memorable people that I remember. Um, yeah. No, she was great. <laughs> I think for a lot of us as well. So have you've mentioned a few struggles as well, and you've talked about, you know, how to find your first job as well. But have there been other particular struggles in your CP or dentistry journey that, you know, some of our viewers might not know, have known about? Um, yeah, I mean, we all have issues. It's CPD journey... I think, you know, especially in your common TV years, I think where you work is is probably more important than, like I mentioned before, like whatever CPD you do. Um, so I consider that part of the CPD journey. So, you know, I, I made mistakes as well. I was, after the Alfred Hospital, I was, I needed a break. So I went to South America for a month. But, you know, being, you know, I guess very proactive and very conservative, you know, I wanted to make sure that when I got back, I had a job, you know, a month off, God forbid. Um, but, and so with that, I kind of put pressure on myself to make sure that I did have that full-time work. And, you know, I was part-time in a couple of practices, but one of those practices, uh, like a lovely boss was a great relationship, but the practice just wasn't busy enough. Um, and so I was, and one of the things that people don't realize is like, if you're in a practice that, isn't going to help develop your, you know, clinical skills and your profession. Uh, 
especially if it's a good, you know, it's a good person. It's a good boss. You're not like having, you know, you know, you're not, not getting paid or, you know, there's, there's clearly some big uh, OH&S issues or whatever it may be, but um, you may not, you, you can't really determine whether that practice is a good fit or not for maybe six months or more, because part of growing is understanding, okay, well, my book's maybe not full at the moment, but if I grow and, you know, I, I have good recalls and patients come back and yada, yada, yada. And so, you know, I was in this position for six months. Um, that's probably when my Instagram thing started because <laughs> I had a bit more time. Free time, um, yeah. And I, you know, I think I remember I was going around medical GPs and just having chats with them. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was getting, I was being paid a retainer and everything. So, it, you know, everything was reasonable in that sense. But for me, it was just, I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to have that hand skill and get you know, your hands wet. Things, yeah. Yeah. Get your hands. Wet. And, you know, one of the things I talk about to some people as well is, you know, there's, there is a big difference between a practice where there is a hygiene department and isn't a hygiene department um, and, and good and bad. But one of the benefits that I saw of practices that had hygiene departments, which both practice studied was my books were full of new patient exams and treatment. So, you know, compared to someone who's got eight, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hour day, whatever it is, where, you know, 50% recalls and 50% is treatment. When you're focused on, you know, that new patient relationship, you're practicing communication, right? You know, so you, you, you're getting that practice, you're understanding treatment planning, and then you're doing treatment. So, you, you know, if you think about it, let's say, you know, you have that 50% recall versus the person who's not in one year, you're doing double what that other person has done from a practical standpoint. Now, there's a lot of benefit to recall. So I make, you know, I, I do make emphasize that if you don't, you have a hygiene department that you make sure you still are able to obviously review your patients uh, and make sure you can see how your treatment has gone and follow up and all of that sort of thing. But even that I think has a big element on, you know, how much you can achieve in what period of time. Mm. Right. Yeah. So basically you just got to really look at your situation. I mean, yeah, you got to stick it out for a few months, at least you're saying at least six months to kind of really vibe to see, you know, if it's actually building, if the situation's changing. I mean, it's tricky in this situation, especially with COVID, you know, it's oh, yeah. got this stop and starts. And so you can't really tell at times, uh, but you really got to give yourself that opportunity at that practice um, or that practice, that opportunity to kind of really see if um, that's where you fit in. And if, if it's not kind of meeting what you want um, to do, aspire to be, then that's really where you got to pivot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, that, yeah. If it, and that's, you know, I'm saying six months in cases where, you know, things are amicable. Um, and, you know, if people have difficult positions or, you know, they want to chat, like I, I haven't mentioned it before, but, you know, anyone's welcome to reach out to me through Instagram or Facebook, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, ha happy to help them out wherever I can. Or, yeah you've previously said the world favors the bold you know those willing to be confident in themselves and resolute in their values so to all those oddballs out here out there be you seize your opportunity who are you referring to or and then how would you say students make the most of their undergraduate years is that our final year speech that was that was your final year speech yeah yeah <laughs> man that's that's that, that takes me back um <laughs> wow <laughs> um Wow, I was going to say, did I say such rubbish? <laughs> um, I think what I was referring to at that time was, I think, A, figure out what you want and, you know, what what are your values, how they co-align, and then just be persistent and persevere those, those goals that you have and understand that, you know, there are going to be hurdles out there, like obviously COVID, um, and for people that add challenges and there's going to be you know other life challenges we, i know we talk about dentistry a lot and that but there's you know 50 percent of the other aspect of life that also has its uh influence on what we do and work and and, and that relationship of things so uh, essentially yeah really the focus should be figuring that and just going for it i think you know we regret more what we don't try and do versus you know what we have done and you know that element like anything things fail like you know like you, you do the wrong job you, you spend way too much creating an instagram you know <laughs> uh that you know was more more for you than for others and you know didn't really go anywhere and 
but that that's that's where you learn and that's where you know you you grow through challenges you you definitely don't go through uh you know e- things being easy and there's this uh, there's a saying i heard recently um you know hard times make you know hard people or hard men and then hard men make soft times and then soft times make soft people and then soft people make hard times <laughs> and there's this cycle of things and you know we we've been in really good times we're in a beautiful country we're lucky there's a lot going for us you know covid is you know probably one of the challenges that you know many people in their you know up to their 50s and 60s it might be the hardest challenge they've ever had to face um and what i you know implore on everyone listening is you know don't let it stop you from pers- persevering and pursuing what you want to try and do because that's going to be the difference between you know who you were yesterday and who you will be mm, yeah um that's that's a good point to make um so you know sometimes so you're studying right now obviously with the perio so what yep. would you hope your ideal clinical or non-clinical day to look like in five years time um or you know what i i think I've actually have thought about this, uh, and I would say three days a week clinically. I think that's a sweet spot. I think just from ergonomics, your back, your neck, like dentistry is terrible. <laughs> um, and then I think there's this element of, for me in particular, like if I'm working on two or three things, then every time I'm doing that thing, I have a new sense of energy and joy to continue persevering. Um, so for me, I think, yep, doing that, continuing with GDR, that's, a, you know, a long-term goal for me and creating new programs uh, and working through that. Uh, the third element of things is not sure if five years if practice ownership is on the cards at that stage, um, but, you know, there might be interest there or, you know, later down the track, more more interest at working with universities and research uh, and, and continuing teaching in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, hey, look, three three days a week is 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 fine because as a specialist, I assume you're going to have to prepare for cases and all of that, and that really builds up. Even though you're taking a um, day off, you're really coming back to work to really um, yeah. um, work up those cases. So it's understandable, you know, three days working. Yeah, um, I think for, for most specialists out there four days is considered full time because your fifth day is, you know, pretty much referral writing and treatment planning and um, a whole lot of other things. Yeah. 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 And then in your case, so what can, what are we hoping to expect from GDR in the future? Uh, There's a few things definitely we're working on, Um, you know, COVID permitting, obviously that's probably the big one, but we've got a few goals for next year. We want to continue with the residency. Uh, We've had people already message us and express interest to sign up for next year. Uh, so that's going to be hopefully launched uh, Touchwood this coming uh, week or two. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting. Where are we getting the exclusive right now? Are we getting the exclusive? <laughs> you actually, you actually probably are getting the exclusive <laughs> uh, on this. Uh, we've recently launched a photography course that has been nine months in the making. Nine months in the making with uh, Sabi Hunt, you know, an amazing educator, ceramist, and we want to continue kind of broadening that. We want to expand the residency, so I won't kind of talk into too many details, but we're looking kind of expansion um, and providing more hands-on through that capacity. Um, we had goals. You, you know, we had a goal before lockdown, Victoria's, or I guess Australia's first lockdown in COVID last year, 20, well, I already forget what year we were, 2020. <laughs> uh, March, in March, we, we had a goal that we wanted to be in uh, every city between like February and November, between like Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, once a month. <laughs> and, you know, talk about like things not working, like, you know, that, that got completely- Hard times. Yeah, hard times, <laughs> exactly. But you know what? It created such an opportunity for us and we thought, okay, what do we do? Well, let's create like a mini webinar series. And, uh, you know, there's still stuff on our website and through Facebook, uh, but, that ability to create that webinar series and you know help people who were stuck in lockdown um really probably was our ability to give much more value to people than we ever could have just you know flying to cities and having uh workshops so 
what will happen you know next year will obviously change but i think that's still one of our goals i think we want to continue helping adsa the student association um with you know helping final year students and students in general and we want to kind of you know continue trying to have more impact in different states well dr alex kabinski there's so many more questions i want to ask you thank you for coming on the show today can you let the people know how they can reach you yeah i mean feel free to probably easiest is just facebook or instagram just uh, on Facebook, uh, I'm, I'm more about the stalker. So Alex Minsky, M-I-N-S-K-Y. Uh, and then just Dr. Underscore Kaminsky on Instagram. Like I said, anyone who's, you know, work, curious about courses, curious about uh, different aspects of different things, whatever it is, you know, feel free to reach out. We also got a Facebook group uh, study club, General Dental Study Club. Uh, where we have cases, questions, really the group's geared towards new and recent graduates and, you know, feeling, creating a comfortable environment where you can ask questions where, you know, you may not be so comfortable asking on other forums and having a supportive environment where people can give you uh, practical answers and you, you feel like you're, you're getting uh, good information from. So, If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.